Hello and welcome listeners to the all-new TVT Rugby League Quiz, the only game show on the market willing to sell Brett Dallas methamphetamine from our dubiously stocked gift shop. Questions can be drawn from any year between 1908 and 2019. Yes, that's right, they will predate the PBL era when the game was rogered to death by a fluffy headgear and subsequently died. I am your host, Eamon Brown, and today we are joined by two fierce rugby league brains. The first combatant in his intellectual coliseum today of the NRL death is David Hunter from the Hypothetic Rugby League podcast. Welcome to the battle, mate. Thank you, Eamon. It's a pleasure to be on your show and a pleasure to show how little knowledge I have of rugby league trivia. Now, you're here representing the Mighty Eels. Uh, What prep have you done today to get a win? I... I asked you earlier if I needed to do prep, and you said don't do any. So I did none. Um, but I did I did watch them play very poorly last night, so I think that might be prep enough. Uh, so I'll be ready for all the times that they have disappointed me in the past, which is pretty much every year except for four. So. You've fallen into my trap, David. I just told you that. You needed to do heaps of prep. This is where the, this is where it all comes together for me. Uh, but by the by, I actually heard you were injecting ram's blood into your temples. Is that true? I haven't been injecting in the temples because I think that might kill me. I've just been putting it in, into the thighs, um, uh, but my thighs are getting killer now. So, you know, right. I just don't want to do too much more. That's okay. If you want to offset the pain, I hear AstraZeneca's vaccine's quite good for that. I think I'm actually on the shortlist now. I'm old enough that I'm actually in the shortlist. Oh, right. I don't sound old, but I, I'm, I'm shortlisted for when it comes out. And I think I get Pfizer because I'm a, I, am a, I am a blood clot risk apparently. So... There you go. There you go. I mean, if life can give you any gift, David, it's that it can tell you that you are a blood clot risk. That's what that's what I'm building towards in my life. But look, we appreciate your presence on the show today. And uh, taking you on is one of the most cynical Tigers fans I've ever met. And just like Madonna, he's known by just one name. It's Milan. Welcome to you, sir. Thank you very much for having me on, Eamon. No, it's a, my pleasure, mate. Uh, am I to take it from your name there that uh, you're some kind of rugby league fashionista, a bit like your Italian namesake? <laughs> no, no. I um, That said, I, I do enjoy uh, torture methods such as uh, watching the Tigers weekly, which has um, now become bi-weekly, I feel, but that uh, that tends to happen each year anyway. Towards the end of the season, it becomes more week, goes from weekly to bi-weekly, then monthly, and then not at all. Excellent. I mean, that's a, certainly a bit of a feat, isn't it, uh, from the Tigers club's perspective, that they have managed to find a way to lose twice a week. I mean, that's excellent. Proud history of losing, so may as well make it happen twice a week. Now, Milan, you did tell me pre-show that your phone-a-friend today is Luke Brooks. Um, are you still are you still happy with that decision? Um, happy is, is not the word I'd use. Um, content, yes. Um, I, I did try to get Travis Burns on the line or, or Shannon McPherson, but we're going to have to sit there with Luke Brooks. Look, to be honest, after burst your bubble, mate, I did try to line him up, um, but he kept dropping the mobile and dialing the wrong numbers. So I actually <laughs> had to pull the plug on that one. Thank you very much for being part of the pilot uh, today. So just to let everyone know how the game will work, it will basically consist of a combination of quiz segments, quirky facts and poor jokes. Uh, there'll also be some halftime entertainment. And at one point, I will be discussing the geopolitical tensions between Iran and Saudi Arabia in some detail towards the third quarter. I hope that's all clear enough. Should be fine. The only problem is I think that uh, as he has Luke Brooks, sorry, Luke Brooks as his phone a friend, uh, we, I should get Mitchell Moses. But I think if I get anything, if we call to him, he may just tell me to F off. So Yeah, I agree, mate. That would actually be a poor decision, I think, to, uh, to appoint Mitchell Moses as your phone-a-friend. I think if I don't get a phone-a-friend, I mean, 
no, actually, let him have Luke Brooks. That might help me. That's <laughs> about to say. Do you know what? I reckon Mitchell Moses could have a bit of a side hustle where people, for about $8 a minute, they call him and he tells them to fuck off because that's his, I guess that's his shtick. And, he, and you can sort of walk away feeling like one of his club mates. I think that's exactly what I'm after. I, I, would, love, I would love to call up Mitch and uh, just tell him, you know, just get him to tell me everything I've ever done wrong. Uh, you know, I think that'd be fantastic. He'd be, he'd be like a really shit priest. Um, look, we're going to get into segment one, fellas, and it's called the one-out hit-ups. And the theme today is NRL Grand Finals. So I hope you've all brushed up on your NRL Grand Finals. This can be any Grand Final from 1908 to 2019, before the game died. Um, now, who would like to open the batting? I'll be democratic here. I'll go first. All right. David, the first question is to you. Now, there, there's a half point for each correct answer here. Who were the two wingers playing for the New Zealand Warriors in the 2011 Grand Final? Oh, my God. Um, uh, Manu Vatavai. Uh, who was playing for the Warriors in 2011? Um, is it Todd Byrne? Good try, mate. You just got in in the 10 seconds there. You've got a half point. It was Manu Vatavai. Uh, but the other winger was Bill Tupo. To reflect on the game, Vatavai actually scored a very nice try uh, where he actually skirted just inside the white line to slam the ball down. Who knew he'd keep tracking the joy of white lines for so long after his career? It's pretty wild stuff. Um, Milan, where does big Manu Vatavai rank for you as far as wingers go? Uh, well, an exceptional ability to catch the ball and put it down. So um, he was at least uh, league average, I'd say. But um, I-, I would say he's one of the more overrated wings of his, of his era. Okay, that's a scathing critique. I like that. That's what I, that's what you definitely don't want on the front of your um your kind of business card. I could almost be average. Well, he's not about to get to me because he's he's in jail now, so I'm I'm safe. Uh, I feel uh, voicing those opinions. Fantastic. And we just say as a disclaimer, allegedly facing charges and jail. Uh, now, question two goes to you, Milan. Who was the fullback for the West Tigers in the 2005 Grand Final? Uh, well, that would be Brett Hodgson. It was indeed. Yes, Brett Hodgson, you're off the mark. Um, not a happy game for Hodjo from memory, Milan. It wasn't State of Origin 3 bad, but he made plenty of errors from memory. <laughs> That's true. I mean, ha- having kicked off the, the Queensland dynasty just a few months prior, I, I feel like uh, that uh, that game was okay by, by late career Brett Hodgson standards. I mean, he was actually, a, I think, a fairly underrated player, but um, he did have a bit of a, I guess, a tag of big games, having some shockers. Well, you know, funnily enough, um, I think he actually set the, the record that year for most points scored in a final series. There you go. So you're just completely refuting what I've said, are you? <laughs> well, look, he might have had a shocker of a grand final for sure, but yeah, he was he was on fire throughout the, the rest of the final series. Why do you reckon he was so good in, in normal games and even finals games, but so bad in the big ones? Do you think he was like that in the sack, for example? He was really good at full play, but would fumble his cock when trying to come? <laughs> um, I, I can't say I speak to a great amount of experience on this question, but um, uh, having um, having having seen him a few times at the footy, uh, uh, you know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to opt out altogether. Just a thought, mate. Strange you haven't pondered Hodjo's sex life before, frankly, but we'll go to question three, David. Um, did the Melbourne Storm score less than eight points in the 2018 grand final or more than eight points? This is the grand final against the Roosters. Over to you, sir. Uh, 
Uh, less than eight. That is correct, David. You are off the mark. Uh, well, not you're already off the mark. You're on to one and a half. Uh, the score was 21-6, and it was a lone Josh Addo car try that actually got them on the board through an intercept. Uh, Rumour has it Craig Bellamy was so worked up in the box during that game that he punched a hole through assistant coach Jason Riles's neck. Thankfully, it was a thick neck, um, and he had plenty left to use, so it wasn't wasn't fatal. Um, as non-Roosters fans, though, boys, uh, did you actually enjoy seeing the Storm get spanked in that one? I don't know. I don't think we could like the Roosters or the Storm. I think we both, I think pretty much everyone else just didn't like that period at all. Like, I think I think we're all still in that period. So we're just hoping that uh, your current injury crisis keeps you out of the grand final, and maybe we can do the same thing to the Storm. We can get some different people in the grand final for once. Okay, well that's hurtful, David, but I appreciate your point of view. Um, for the record, oh look, I don't like, I don't, I don't dislike you. I just don't like your team. No, no, that's fine. But obviously, to me, they're inextricably linked, mate. So you've, to me, you've just stomped all over my mum's memory. Oh, okay. <laughs> for what it's worth, I actually have um, Munster getting sin binned, glazed onto a commemorative plate, uh, which I eat off once a week as part of a new routine in my life. I'm just very upset. In I think it was 2017 when we were in the first week of the finals and he got Simbind and Parramatta were leading and they gave up and then they just kept giving up for the rest of the final series. So that very ups- that upset me that year. Keep those sob stories to yourself for the moment. Thanks, David. Why was Sam Burgess's Clive Churchill winning performance in the 2014 grand final etched into folklore more than most? Uh, because his face was broken in the, the opening 10 seconds of the game. Correct, mate. I'm going to give that to you. Yes, he played virtually the entire game with a broken cheekbone. Uh, and in fact, this is a little known tidbit uh, in my research for the show. I don't know if you guys know this, but Sam actually hit Tim Laffey so hard in that match that he took an AVO out against Sam. I don't know if you feel the same way, David. What were the Bulldogs even doing in that match? They striked me as maybe the 12th best team that year. How did you see it? Yeah, well, I think everyone in the final series just fell over themselves to, to try and not get the grand final. It was a strange... Because then they finished, they finished like 6th or 7th and and beat a couple of teams that really should have been, you know, pushing for that grand final. And they just, I don't know what it was. Everyone, everyone kept falling over the whole time. And then, Hmm. you know, it was almost like, it's almost like South Sydney were puppet masters orchestrating which team they thought they could beat the easiest. Yeah, there was a little bit of an element of that um, because we all also know they are sort of a fairly nefarious organisation akin to the KGB. Uh, Big shout out to South Sydney. Uh, but you're right, it was almost the full Stephen Bradbury situation, wasn't it? They Except they got smashed in the end. So it'd be more like if Bradley was skating past everyone, but then slipped over himself and garroted his own throat with a speed skate. Look, question five goes to you, David. In the 2000 grand final, many observers believe the Broncos would have beaten the Roosters by a much bigger margin had it not been for the efforts of which player for the tricolours? And oh, I tapped out that season because my team gave up. Uh, which player? Oh, I'm trying to think of a person. Sorry, David, you got buzzed out there, mate. Hypothetically, Milan, did you know the answer to that? Would it have been Shannon Hegarty? No, the answer was Luke Phillips, who made three try-saving tackles on um, the little men of Brad Thorne, Wendell Saylor and Lottie Takiri. Uh, big shout out to Luke Phillips, friend of the pod. And people might not know this, but his nickname is actually Diamond in homage to the B-grade actor Lou Diamond Phillips. What was the worst nickname you ever had in your life, David? Uh, I don't know if I could say that one and it's going to get published. I might not say it. 
I, I, I think I have to decline to answer. Probably for everyone's benefit. What about you, Milan? I'm up the same street. I, I think if I reveal that to you, um, it, you might have to, to bleep it out. Well, for the record, this is the voluntary tackle. We, we bleep out very little. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. Uh, but look, for the record, mine was actually sticky nipple because at school I could lactate on demand. Uh, an impressive skill, but I still didn't like the nickname. Uh, this goes to question six over to you, Milan. Which ageing forward came into the Canberra Raiders side as a late inclusion for John Lomax and ended up playing a starring role in the victory of the grand final of 1994? Goodness, you're, you're, really, uh, you're really testing me here. Um... For the record, Milan may not have been born yet. <laughs> well, this is my wheelhouse. Can we do the 90s ones for me next time? I, <laughs> I will hazard a guess here. Steve Jackson. Mate, that's a good shot. That's a good shot. It's not It's not right, though, unfortunately. Can so, I steal points, Eamon? Uh, mate, there's no points on offer, but you can get kudos if you know the answer. Oh, it's Paul Osborne. It was. Are you able to regale our listeners about the story of Paul Osborne and why he was there? Well, I think you just said that um, Lomax was, was out and they put, they put Osborne in uh, and basically he cut Canterbury up for the first 15, 20 minutes. He was a, like a ball-playing, off-playing forward. And he basically kept poking through the line and offloading and they went straight through a few times. So yeah. that's all I remember. I just remember he was in the game um, because I think wasn't Lomax suspended or something? He was. It was a high tackle because Lomax used to make them every eight minutes. Uh, legend has it that coach Tim Sheens actually called him on the way to the airport. He was off to play English Super League and he came back from the airport, uh, ended up costing him a contract in the UK. So instead he went into politics. Uh, he exchanged the cesspit of Leeds for the cesspit of Parliament. Question seven goes to you, David. What unfortunate nickname did former Roosters winger Todd Byrne get foisted upon him after he was infamously tackled into touch by veteran lock Scott Sadler in the 2003 Grand Final? Oh, happy to happy to steal uh, this one as well. I, look, I don't know this one. I'm going to say something ironic like Speedy. I like that. It's not right, but uh, that would have probably been more hurtful. Milan, hypothetically, do you know who it was? I believe it's the treadmill. It is, mate. Yes, treadmill Todd, which actually dogged him to his next club at the Warriors where he played about a fifth of a season before being unceremoniously dropped. And they laughed at him at training, apparently, yelling the words treadmill Todd, uh, which obviously wouldn't have been great for his confidence. I've always thought this. I mean, obviously, I'm a Roosters fan, so it's a kind of a painful memory for me. Um, after it was such a great long ball that Brad Fittler gave to him. But in his defence, you know, I know he had an eight-metre start on, a, you know, an ageing second rower, but he did weigh about 41 kilograms and he was running into a pretty mild headwind. So for me, I was actually just thankfully didn't end up in his own in goal area. But you've got to know the geometry of, of the runs too because, you know, he may have looked like he was eight metres in front, but, you know, the, the whole, you know, Pythagoras and whatever it is, I don't know, maths, but yeah, yeah. basically the distance that uh, Sattler had to run was not as far as what Fort Byrne was running. Yeah, I've always said it, David, um, rugby league is simple geometry. It's just not as interesting, but it, it is basically, isn't it? We're going to go over to you, Milan. Uh, in, this is question eight. In the famous Benji Marshall flick pass try in the 2005 grand final, which player for the Cowboys comes across in cover defence only to be palmed in the face by a rampaging Pat Richards? That's a good question. Um, was it, uh, gosh, was it Travis Norton? Oh, that is a good shot, mate, but it was not Travis Norton. David, did you know hypothetically who that was? Uh, he's a headgear fella. Um, oh, yes, of course. Rower. 
I can't Correct. think of his name. It was Rod Jensen. Um, often considered one of the great GF tries, that one. Did you guys have a personal favourite in terms of grand final tries? I think for me it was Steve Jackson in 1989. What about you guys? I mean, you've probably just about named mine there, but that could that could probably be the only qualifier that I could, could have as a favourite grand final try. It's such a long time for Parramatta Eels tries uh, in grand finals. 1983 was the last time we scored a try in a grand final uh, that we won. Uh, but look, I, I actually don't mind the 2009 Eric Groth junior try. Um, even though we didn't win the game, it, it, was, it was a pretty impressive effort. Yeah, I remember that one well. He looked a lot like his old man in that one, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. That was that was when we all still believed that he was, you know, a decent human being and also a good player. <laughs> Big shout out to QAnon, I believe. Um, <laughs> Eric Grove Jr. is right down the rabbit hole uh, with the Trumper fans, from what I understand. Don't sue me. Look, we're going to go to question nine. You're going to like this, David, because it is Parramatta Eels related. True or false? Ian Hindmarsh has never played in a grand final. I think that's false. I'm sure he played 2001. Correct, David. You have scored yourself a point, sir. Yes, it is false. Uh, Ian was there. He just wasn't noticed that much because he was playing alongside his much-talented brother, Nathan, uh, which often happens. Uh, Milan, when thinking of brothers, can you think of, I guess, one of the biggest talent gaps that the NRL has ever seen in terms of, of brothers? I think maybe Sam Burgess and the rest of his brothers. That's not bad. Well, let's face it, Luke Burgess is very much at the bottom of that totem pole, isn't he? You know, he's an Uber driver these days. I wonder if he does that sort of with really sluggish service as well and he sort of doesn't end up at his end location. Wasn't this an edifying sidebar? See, this is what we offer here, Milan, right, on the voluntary tackle. People go in thinking, oh, yeah, rugby league knowledge, bit of fun, and they walk away knowing that Luke Burgess's life is in the toilet. <laughs> Well, to be fair, his brothers just joined him as well. Uh, look, for the record, for me, it was always Craig Kamali that comes to mind, uh, the lesser-known brother of Brett. And I do have a bit of special shout-out to Andrew Fafita's brother, David, who was clearly didn't have as much success as Andrew, but now also has to contend with the fact that a better David Fafita is playing the game today, David. Well, it does. I mean, I think the funniest thing was uh, over in England when David Fafita was... Uh, that David Fafita you're talking about was talking about maybe changing clubs. A few clubs said, oh, we're, we're going to sign David Fafita. And I think all the people over there thought they meant the Titans instead of Fafita or the Broncos at the time where it was. Uh, and then when they found out who it was, they were like, oh, we don't want him. Do you reckon the, the lesser David Fafita is doing just that? He's going around trying to wrangle contracts, masquerading as the good David Fafita. Well, they, he could. And then, you know, I think that's probably a good pathway for some of these, you know, fringe players. Maybe they just change their names. You know, there might be a few players change their names to maybe Andrew Johns. Um, there might be a couple that might change their names to, I don't know, who's Josh Adokar. That might be a that might be a good one. Maybe some wingers who aren't as fast. Very tough to do that, though. Pretend to be the Fox if you're someone like Steve Turner because, you know, the difference between uh, the skin colours alone is a bit of a giveaway. There's only one Josh Adokar, David. Let's not even play with that idea. This isn't just localised to rugby league, of course. Brad Pitt uh, has a brother called Doug who looks exactly like him if Brad was run over by a tractor engine. So, And obviously, he hasn't been anywhere near as successful. Look, we're going to get on to question 10, um, who I've forgotten who it was. Yes, this is going to be question 10 for you, Milan. Which team was Steve Gearan playing for when he snared a bomb and scored, considered by some to be one of the greatest tries of the modern era, against Eastern Suburbs in the 1980 Grand Final? 
uh, okay, well, apart from, uh, for some reason, calling 1980s the modern era, um, I would have to say that uh, on the balance of things, 80s grand finals, he was probably playing for the Raiders. Bad luck, mate. It was not the Raiders. Uh, He was actually playing for the Bulldogs. This is a memory that, according to my older siblings, it's the only time my dad had ever done anything like this. He decorated the whole place red, white and blue for the grand final. And uh, we lost quite easily in that game. And apparently he tore down everything within minutes and never talked about the game again, um, which is a very Eamon Brown family thing to do. Four Eastern Suburbs in the 80s. They were, they were the club that were just, just not good enough, you know, just, just not good enough to win a grand final. Let's not rake up old graves, mate. Uh, you know, back in the day with Rocket Rod Silver and um, Kurt Sherlock. I mean, these were, these were household names back then, obviously. Um, look, you look at that try now, in the research for this uh, show, I had a look at that try and everyone talks about how amazing it is, but it was pretty stock standard, if I've got to be honest. A man chased the ball, he caught it in the air, he didn't get a lot of air, just a little bit, and it made me think back in the 70s and 80s, you were sort of just lauded for being able to run and catch the ball at the same time, I think. But I think you did have to be on the other side a fair bit tougher because these days, you know, you lie on the ground when someone grazes your wanker moustache. But back then, someone could actually clobber you over the head with a crowbar. So swings and roundabouts. Just to make this more serious of a podcast. I'll uh, never do that, David. Was only, sorry about this. Uh, the bomb was only invented as, a, as an attacking kick in the late, in the late 70s by uh, John Peard and, you know, Parramatta legend. Um, and I don't think it was Parramatta legend when he actually was doing the bomb the first time but you know the bomb was a was an attacking weapon that was was a bit like in you know, the banana kick in the 90s it was just the the new thing that they all did mm. and um it's what ended up winning the 85 grand final for canterbury because they just bombed uh in like they basically just bombed inside the the in goals because because if you caught the ball in the in goal and before 85 uh you didn't get a 20 minute restart you just caught the ball quite ironic isn't it david because you know if you look at the canterbury area it looks like plenty of bombs have been dropped on it so it's um it's an interesting <laughs> little they connection were very experienced in it, weren't they? <laughs> all right that gets us to the end of the first segment guys uh david you are in the lead on two and a half miles you're not far off on two okay guys we're going to go into segment two now it's called the fastest play the ball So basically, you've got to buzz in first to answer it correctly. David, uh, your buzzer is Gorbachev, and Milan, yours is Netanyahu. Okay, we're going to go with uh, leaders who are still alive and have varying degrees of moral aptitude. So question one, and by the way, you can buzz in during the question, that's fine. What unusual event made Game 3 of State of Origin stop play? And also make Greg Bird blush. Netanyahu. I just heard Netanyahu first, so go ahead, Milan. Um, some sort of uh, big, fat, streaking type. <laughs> that's the best description ever. <laughs> this might surprise you, Milan, but that's not what I've got written down here exactly. But I'm going to give you the points. No. Um, oh wow. Okay. Was it an oiled-up Indian man that we were in down? <laughs> You don't get extra points for ethnicity, David, but he, for the record, his name was Watty Holmwood. And uh, what I enjoyed most about that was the fact that he left his sneakers on. Now, sure, his balls were flopping around in the wind, but his bunions were all covered up like an oppressed Muslim woman in Pakistan. And I actually respected that. Okay, man. 
<laughs> I know I've done I've done a good job when there's complete radio silence. That's <laughs> there are t- there are times when I have to check the Zoom connection. That's how bad the jokes are. Question two: uh, Any answer in the correct range here is acceptable. By the way, uh, how many grams does a Steeden football weigh? Uh, Gorbachev. Yes, Gorbachev. Uh, 200. You're not in the range, I'm afraid. Um, Netanyahu. Go for it, Netanyahu. 500. Well, you're not in the range either, I'm afraid. You've gone the other side. It's between 383 and 440 grams, apparently. Or to put it in another way, about a third of the weight of Willie Mason's penis. Um, which is the it is on the official nrl.com site. Uh, question three: How wide is a typical rugby league field? Gorbachev. Yahoo. Yes, Gorbachev. Uh, is it sixty-eight meters? That is correct. That's a a clangor of an answer, mate. Well done. Makes you wonder, doesn't it, Milan? Sixty-eight meters. That's quite wide. Why does Mitch Pierce keep missing it? It's crazy, Again, no isn't comment. it? <laughs> I feel like I'm going to get a few of them from you. He might come and steal my steal my partner if I if I bag him out. <laughs> Question four: Where was Penrith Panthers sensation Matt Burton born? Netanyahu. Yes, Netanyahu. Um, the uh, the mighty central western town of Dubbo. Correct, sir. Well played. And Milan strikes back. Uh, has anyone ever been to Dubbo or specifically Dubbo Plain Zoo? Funnily enough, I have. I have and I am heading there uh, the the long weekend, which is two weeks from now. Wowee. There you go. Are you going to drop in and say a nice hello to the Burton family? Uh, I don't know where they live, but I will knock every door of the, the town and, and see if I can track them down. Um, I, I know there's another Panthers um, player out that way, isn't there? Probably, mate. They've got a lot of people in that top grade team from the country. Was that yeah? There was two of them. There was two of them on the weekend, and I can't yeah. think who the other guy was. But there were I think two it was Isaiah Yo. Yeah, I think you're right. Yo's definitely a country boy. Yeah, yeah. He he looks like a, a from Dubbo type. I still remember uh, going with my my under 16s football team out to Cobar, and we had to stop at Dubbo on the way through. We um, we had a bus that was a uh, you know how you have your normal you've got coaches. Um, we had two buses going out there. One was a coach, one was a normal school bus, and it couldn't go fast enough. So we actually ended up taking from Sydney to Cobar. It took us 12 hours. Um, so, yeah, we basically had to stop at Dubbo, and uh, they'd made a special agreement that we were able to stop at the, the Dubbo Maccas to get Big Macs, and we were very excited by that. <laughs> Which I believe is a heritage-listed landmark in Dubbo. It's their number one tourist attraction outside of the Dubbo Plains Zoo. <laughs> Uh, Milan, I mean, look, good luck, mate. I hope you have a, a great trip for what it's worth. Um, I can just tell you about my experience at Dubbo Plains Zoo. Um, it's obviously a great for the animals. It's all about the natural habitats and stuff, but it's not so good for the visitors because often you can't see shit because it's so large. Um, but I know when I went, I actually got lucky. Uh, I saw almost all of them because I brought my shoddy along and I fired a few shots in the air. Um, it really brought the animals to life. So I don't know if that's something you want to consider. Were you um were you doing one of those special tours with that um the Australian fast bowler um, Glenn McGrath? Yeah, yeah, that's it. The Glenn McGrath tour. Yeah, it did we did? And at one point we did clip a hippo and uh, pose in front of its body, which is <laughs> which by the way was frowned upon. So don't do that when you're there. Would be my advice. Uh, but we must push on. Question five: Who has scored the most tries ever 
for the Cronulla Sharks? Netanyahu. Gorbachev. Netanyahu, go ahead. Uh, how long do I have to answer? 10 seconds, mate. Uh, E.T. It is E.T., correct. Well done, Milan. Uh, E.T., out of interest, do you know why he was nicknamed E.T.? Um, is it because um, of his uh, absurdly long European-style surname, which uh, I'm assuming most 1990s Australians couldn't say, especially those from the Shire? Mate, you're pretty much on the money. Although, according to him, it was his own inability to want to write his surname on all the sign-in sheets all the time. So he ended up just putting E.T. down. I thought he was nicknamed that because he had an extra testicle. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could, be, it could be for a few reasons, mate. It was also because he was once an alien in Paul Mellor's life. Push on. We have a score check here. That's the end of the fast play the ball. Um, Milan, you've moved into the lead, mate. It's five versus three and a half at this stage. Now it's time for a quirky fact from the past. Now, in May 1982, the Newtown Jets and the Canterbury Bulldogs played out the only scoreless match in first grade history, with both teams finishing nil all after 80 minutes. Coincidentally, Newtown were also kicked out of the comp at the end of the season. Now, we know, guys, that will never happen again, because especially under PV Airball, you can score six points just by burping in the red zone now. Um, do we, have we lost something there that you could actually have a, a nil-all draw? Would you like to see it come back, Milan? Mate, I, uh, I, I hazard you to the fact that the Bulldogs and Tigers have not played yet this season. So um, this, this podcast or, or this section of the podcast may not age well. That's so true, actually. <laughs> yeah, it goes. Um, oh, my God. So we all know with Parramatta that there won't be a nil-all draw because our right edge can't defend. So um, someone's going to score eventually. Ah, All right, guys. Now it's time for some TVT halftime entertainment. Gotta write a classic. Gotta write it in an attic. Babe, I'm an addict now. An addict for your love. I was a stray boy. Now, segment three, this is a very quick one, guys. Um, I'm going to give you one soundbite each, and you'll have to tell me who the voice is in the soundbite. Now, uh, you're going to have to bear with me because I have to bring up YouTube, and I also hope... Uh, that you guys can hear this effectively. Now, who wants to open the batting for this one? I suppose I will this time. All right, no worries. The first one is for you then, Milan. Who is this being interviewed by uh, a character of Magdus Sabansky back in the 90s? I couldn't. T- I think her name was Pixie. Anyway, here it is. You don't have to go in with the scum. Now, there's only three or four tries in a rugby game. Um, why don't you try harder? <laughs> we try, but sometimes we just can't do it. Now, your state team is called the Morons. Are they named after Joe Bielke Peterson? <laughs> they call them Maroons. Oh, Maroons. is All right, Milan, that's your sound bite. Who was the rugby league player talking there? By the way, uh, this is worth two points. Oh, so it should be. Um, 
Uh, I was thinking it might have been Ricky Stewart until they, they said Maroons. Um, I'm, could it, could it be Wendell Saylor? It was not Wendell Saylor, I'm afraid, mate. Uh, David, hypothetically, did you know who that was? Uh, was it Mal Meninga? It was. It was Big Mal, uh, who somehow got roped into a really bad early 90s comedy sketch on Fast Forward. All right, now I have another one coming up, um, so bear with me for a second, David. I need you to tell me who this uh, 90s comedic icon was, and I use the word icon very loosely. Okay, there you go, David. Some comedic gold there. I think you can agree. Uh, who was that on the audio tape? That's that's the Leica Tiger Mahatma Coat. Correct, correct. Mahatma Coat. I guess back in the nineties, uh, before everyone knew racism was bad. Um, you know, <laughs> that's the thing about the nineties. Everything was good back then, except for Bosnia. Obviously, were you a fan, David? <laughs> Fan of Bosnia or a fan of Mahatma Coat? <laughs> either, mate. Either works. <laughs> well, I don't know if I could, anyone could be a fan of Bosnia. Um, I was definitely not a Mahatma Coat fan. The, the footy show went from uh, it was it was tried to be a serious show right at the start. Uh, when Channel Nine started, there was two shows: the Channel Nine and Channel Seven show. And they both tried to be very um, very serious, and then all of a sudden, Channel Nine did what they called the anti ad, and um, everyone, all, all, we all loved it. We all thought it was hilarious, and so they just kept getting more and more outrageous. I think you want to say, and then eventually there was just you know fatty with with fishnet stockings on. So <laughs> didn't take long. At that point is when I stopped watching it. Now look, uh, we go into segment four, guys. This is a one-off. Now it's it's worth a big three points. Okay. Um, now it's called imitation is not always flattery. Now Milan in particular, I think you're going to hate this. Um, you need to give me your best impression of someone that I name and it is judged by me and the winner will get the three points. All right, so I'm going to start with you, David. Uh, I want to give you, sorry, you'll have to give me your best impression of Ray Rabs Warren. Oh, okay. 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 <sighs> it's a controversy. That's all I can do. Surely that's not long enough. No, no. Oh, do you want me to do more? Yeah. No, 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 there's no... From, uh... from, from Aragon to Sergeant up the middle. That's how I can do it. That's the best I can do. Oh, Sorry, guys. My wife's turned around and looked at me and gone, what the hell are you doing? And rightly so, David. In fact, I'm not sure if that was Ray Warren or, or Winston Churchill having a stroke. But I, I it <laughs> That was terrible. I'm really bad. I'm sorry. No, no, there's no apologies necessary. I, I really enjoyed it, and I'm sure the listeners will too. And Milan, that is your bar. Can you beat it? I have to do Ray Warren as well. <laughs> yes, mate. Yep, Ray Warren. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, no, I can't beat it, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um Oh, boy. Um, just need to kind of get myself in the rabbit. You need to get into character. You're so method. <laughs> what, what did you say, David? I was, I was trying to say the same line as you. Uh, I think I just said it's a controversy. That's all I could say. That's all I know what he says. And I think he said something about fighting them off on the beaches. I can't quite remember. <laughs> oh, we shall fight them off on the beaches. We shall fight them on the shore. <laughs> Oh, lads, I really enjoyed that. 
<laughs> I've really enjoyed that. Uh, look, this is obviously a subjective part of the quiz. There's no objective truth. Uh, but for the sheer madness of Churchill having a stroke, I've got to give it to David, I'm afraid. Sorry, Milan. Um, so so no, that's absolutely. three <laughs> points. I can't believe I won with that awful impersonation. <laughs> we didn't set a cracking standard, but that's not what we're about. So don't feel bad about it. Uh, now, look, a score check, fellas. Um, thanks to that three points, David, you're now on eight and a half. Milan, you're not too far away. You're on five, okay? So it's only a few points away. So don't feel deflated. Now it's time for a quirky fact from the past. In 1988, Balmain Tigers legend Steve Roach was part of a plot to ensure he could play in the 1988 Grand Final. Suspended for two matches leading up to the decider, Roach was allowed to sign a short-term deal with the English club Warrington. Roach was subsequently flown to London and named in the reserves on Saturday and first grade on Sunday, thereby serving the suspension. League officials, however, quickly shut the loophole and Roach was stuck in London as Balmain lost to the Bulldogs 24-12. Guys, we're going to move on to uh, segment five now. Um, it's called Who Weighed More When They Played. Now, this is a difficult one because obviously I can't get the ball on a scale retroactively. Uh, that would involve a time travel device um, and a pair of scales that I can't afford. So instead, I'm going to rely on Wikipedia data. So you're going to have to bear with me here. And I'm going to start with you, Milan, as question one. I need you to tell me who was heavier when they played. Was it Laurie Daly or Craig Gower? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I feel like Laurie was a, a, a bit taller a man and, and Gower a bit fuller bodied. Um, also, Gower is at all times... Uh, filled with alcohol. So we have to take that into consideration. Um, I'm, and Gower played a little bit of lock as well, didn't he? So I'm going to go with Craig Gower. Mate, you are correct. Craig Gower. And I get the feeling this is a Wikipedia anomaly. Apparently he was 125 kgs, which seems a bit over the odds to me. Yes. Laurie Daly, only 92. Uh, so I'm actually, that's the one I'm most dubious on. Maybe they actually weighed the golf cart at the same time that he was running around nude at a golf course at. Um, and that's what got him up in the ranks of the KGs. I'm not sure. Either way, David, we're going to you with question two, mate. Um, this is a battle of the featherweights. Who was heavier? Was it Alan Langer or Todd Byrne? Ooh. Oh. I think I have to go Todd Byrne. I think players, players who played more recently are heavier. Yes, Todd Byrne, correct. 89 kilograms versus 76 um, and as you said, I think it's testament to the fact that there's far more Rams juice and uh, steroids going on in the modern game. Uh, that's a quite a big differential. Although, as we've talked before, he was a very light man even in his time, Todd. So there's another point for you, David. Marking that up now. Uh, over to you again, Milan. Who was heavier, Paul Harrigan or Mark the Spud Carroll? Oh. Um... Again, I'm not sure if you're interested in my commentary here, but I'm giving it to you anyway. Um, I feel like Paul Harrigan was a, a much more barrel-chested fellow, a bit, bit slightly better shape than than Spud. Um, gosh, I um, hmm. you seem a few seconds remaining as well. I, I'm going to say it was. Um, oh, I'm going to say it was Chief. I'm afraid it was Mark Carroll, mate. Not not much in it. 114 kgs for Mark Carroll. And the Chief weighed in at 111. So that was a tight one, uh, but unfortunately not correct. Uh, the fourth and final question goes to you, David. Uh, this is more uh, coming into the field of modernity here. 
Angus Crichton or Nathan Cleary? Who was heavier? Uh, feels like it should be Angus Crichton. Let's go Angus Crichton. Angus Crichton is correct, yes. I thought, you know, the fact that he's seen as a bit of a lightweight forward might throw you, but clearly it didn't. So there's another points, uh, point next to your name, David. So well done. That brings us to the end of Who Weighed More. Now, uh, segment six, we're coming to the end here. This is called The Clutch Play. Now, it's 60 seconds of me uh, giving you guys questions out of a fairly dodgy second-rate B-grade NRL trivia box. I haven't seen any of these questions before. I'm literally opening up the box right now. And it's going to work the same as before, um, except there's going to be 60 seconds. You guys need to buzz in with Gorbachev or Netanyahu. Um, So I'll let you know when your time starts. Okay. And your time starts now. Which two Parramatta Eels players retired after the 1986 Grand Final? Gorbachev. Netanyahu. I heard Gorbachev. Uh. It is Ray Price and Michael Cronin. Correct. Well done for David. Sorry, I've, uh, I didn't get my scoring right here. We're going to add those seconds to the clock because these, these cards are all upside down. <laughs> which doesn't really work. We'll leave that in. That's fine. Uh, in which of the following seasons did the Sydney Roosters receive the wooden spoon? Was it 59, 55 or 49? Sterling. Uh, Netanyahu. Yes, Netanyahu. Uh, the first one, 59. Incorrect. David. Uh, I didn't even hear the question. I was busy laughing before. <laughs> For the record, it was 1949. What is the name of Sydney Rooster's official mascot? Netanyahu. Yes, Netanyahu. Steggles. It is not Steggles. Oh, why not? <laughs> 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 Which was Steve Folks's last season as coach of the Canterbury Bulldog, Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs? Yes, Netanyahu. Uh, Two thousand eight. Well done, mate. Yes, it was. Um, upside down again, flipping it up. By which name were the Sydney Roosters originally known? Netanyahu. Yes, Netanyahu. Eastern Suburbs District Rugby League Football Club. Yep, too much information Eastern Suburbs would have done. Who was awarded the Clive Churchill Medal at the 2016 NRL Premiership Grand Final? Netanyahu. Yes, Netanyahu. Uh, Andrew Fafia? It should have been, but it was actually Luke Lewis. Um, Who was the 2017 coach for the Seagulls? Netanyahu. Yes, Netanyahu. Trent Barrett. Is correct. And that brings us to the end of a very belated clutch play fast money round because Eamon couldn't read his upside-down cards. Um, okay, so let me just tally those. It was 3-1 in the end. Uh, so Milan got three for nine, and David got one point there. Okay, so a quick score check. Uh, we have David on 11.5 and Milan on nine. So it's very close. Okay, so we actually move into what we call the betting scandal. This is the end of the show, guys, and it requires you to bet your points. Now, um, at the moment, Milan, you've got nine points, and David, you've got 11 and a half. Now, the trick is here, you can't tell each other how much you're going to bet. Okay, so is it possible for you guys to text me how much you want to bet? Okay, this is interesting. This is interesting because they're very, they're different bets. You haven't gone the same way. So this will be good. So it all hinges on this one question, guys, to do with Andrew Johns. So how do we feel going into this? Do we feel like we know a lot about Andrew Johns' life? No. Oh, God. No. 
On the 26th of August 2007, Andrew Johns was arrested for fare evasion on a London underground train and subsequently was found to be in possession of what illicit drug? That is your question. Please text it to me. And uh, I've got to tell you, I'm feeling the tension in the room. I'm feeling nervous. Uh, I'm feeling as though I, I'm uh, a New York family and Matt Lodge has just knocked at the door. I'm a bit scared. Um, so we'll find out what's happening here. All right. So listeners, here we are. We're, uh, we're in, the, in the final couple of minutes of this game. Andrew Johns. What drug was he found with? Now, Milan, you've texted methamphetamine. And David has texted me ecstasy. According to all media reports, the answer was an ecstasy tablet. Congratulations, David. Uh, you have won the very first episode of the Voluntary Tackle Rugby League quiz. V- bad luck, Milan. You were right in there at the end. For the record, Milan was all in. He'd bet all of his points. And had he been correct, he would have stolen the victory from David. But as it turns out, uh, unless we've got our drug knowledge horribly wrong, um, David is correct with an ecstasy tablet. For your for your efforts here, David, today, you are walking away with the 1983 version of the Milton and Bradley Classic, Down 4. Every turn leads you to a new twist as you race against your opponent to get all of your counters down the cogs. But watch out, because one wrong turn could lead to your downfall. The same principle used by the Chinese regime in the Gulag. So well done. Thank you for playing, fellas, and thank you for listening, everyone at home. Uh, if you want to be part of the action and play the TVT Rugby League quiz, please email thevoluntarytackle at gmail.com and let me know why you deserve a chair on the game, once described by former NRL CEO Todd Greenberg as a lawsuit waiting to happen. So until next time, stroke your mum's head for me.